Yes, we did show that twice, in case some of you were here early. Uh, so maybe about 50 of you heard, saw that twice. But uh, uh, next Sunday is what? Easter Sunday. And uh, who in your life might come with you next Sunday if you asked them to join you? Uh, folks at Lifeway did a survey recently, found out, this, this is true, a majority of your friends and family, co-workers, fellow students, would come with you to church if you ask them. That's the big if. So will you ask them and uh, challenge you to do just that? Today is the last Sunday of the sermon schedule that was prepared before Christmas. And I tell you that because um, today is building fund offering and you're going to think I planned it so that we're in Luke chapter 16 on this particular Sunday. And I just want you to know, <clears throat> I'm not that good. I'm really not. Uh, nope, nope. I had no idea this was coming back before Christmas. Uh, so uh, anyway, if you have your Bible, find Luke chapter 16. We will be taking that building fund offering at the conclusion of this service. Did you know the average American household will on average earn more than $2 million over the course of their working career? $2 million on average, American family. Uh, what that means is uh, on average, the average household, approximately $50,000, 40 year working career, we're talking Two million. Uh, some of you will earn more, some of us will earn less, but, but the truth is that's the average. Two million dollars on average. So my second thought is this. How do you think the average Jesus follower is doing with their two million dollars when it comes to benefiting Jesus and his kingdom and his church? Just think with me. How, how are we doing? Uh, and uh, what kind of manager are you when it comes to that $2 million on average that we will receive and will have access to over the course of our work careers? Would you stand with me if you're able? We're going to read the uh, first 13 verses of Luke chapter 16. Uh, a very interesting and, believe it or not, controversial parable. Here we go, verse 1, Luke 16, let's read together. Jesus told his disciples, there was a rich man whose manager was accused of wasting his possessions. So he called him in and asked him, what is this I hear about you? Give an account of your management, because you cannot be manager any longer. The manager said to himself, what shall I do now? My master is taking away my job. I'm not strong enough to dig, and I'm ashamed to beg. I know what I'll do so that when I lose my job here, people will welcome me into their houses. So he called in each one of his master's debtors. He asked the first, how much do you owe my master? 900 gallons of olive oil, he replied. The manager told him, take your bill, sit down quickly, and make it 450. Then he asked the second, and how much do you owe? A thousand bushels of wheat, he replied. 
he told him, take your bill and make it 800. The master commanded the dishonest manager because he had acted shrewdly. For the people of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own kind than are the people of the light. I tell you, use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourselves so that when it is gone, you'll be welcomed into eternal dwellings. Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with very much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. So if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? And if you have not been trustworthy with someone else's property, who will give you property of your own? No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Let's pray. Lord, I'm asking that uh, you'll take this parable that you inspired Dr. Luke to write down for us. Lord, uh, might you take this parable and open it up for our understanding today. Help us to get it. Guide our thinking this morning as we examine what you expect from us children of the light in relationship to the earthly riches that you've allowed us to receive from you. So Lord, we need your help because the truth is we live in a possession-filled, money-focused world. And Lord, we're surrounded by messages constantly telling us that we won't be happy unless we get the next new thing. So, Lord, please guard us against uh, the world's thinking. Help us, Lord, instead to adopt your thinking. Help us to line up our lives, our minds, our attitudes, the way we process, Lord, with your book. Lord, that won't help happen unless uh, your spirit comes and helps us to understand and then put it to practice. Lord, uh, take charge of these goofy lips. Uh, help us to hear clearly from you and your spirit and your word and all the church at Walloon Lake said on Palm Sunday with one strong voice. Amen. Oh, you did good. <laughs> you may be seated. Before we uh, dig into the parable, we're going to play a little game. You have to play a little game. It's called You Gotta Choose. Okay? This is a choosing game. And you got to choose. You're going to choose one or the other. Okay? Here we go. Imagine the car of your dreams. I mean, this is the car you've always wanted. The car of your dreams. You're thinking about it? Okay? Got, got, a, got a car in mind? Okay? Who, who can share? What, what's one of the car of your dreams? Sam, got one in your mind? No? No? I just see you pointing to somebody, but we won't go there. Who, who could share? What's the car of your dreams? Yes. Oh, really? Like fly? Like Chitty Chitty Bang Bang? That one? Okay. I'd like one of them too. Yeah. Yeah. Anybody else? What's the car of your dreams, Paul? I got one in mind. 67 GTO. Okay. Very good. 
Very good. Someone else got one in mind? This is, I want the, this is the car of my dreams. Anybody else? VW bus, really? Oh. <laughs> Yellow? What do you have a color in mind? It's the pop-up, I understand. That's good. Yeah, you might be able to get that. Your dream might come true. Yeah, yeah, okay. Okay, car of your dreams. Mine is, I had a friend who had a 59 Corvette, uh, mint condition. And I got to admit, I always uh, lusted after his 59 Corvette, fully restored, beautiful. Uh, they called it Roman red. I don't know if you remember that color. Uh, but it, it, oh man, that's mine, okay? So I got to choose either the car of your dreams or sponsor 50 children in Derivo, Haiti for 10 years. Okay, you can't have both. Uh, it means they would have school, books, uniform shots, meal, 10 years of Jesus, or you get the car of your dreams. And now you've got to choose right now. You don't have to answer out loud, but you just be thinking, if that was the choice, which way are you going to go? You're going to go with the car, or you're going to sponsor 50 children down at our sister church? Okay. You've got to choose. Imagine the house of your dreams. Now I'm going to give you a choice. You can either choose Walloon Lake, or you can choose Lake Charlevoix. I'm going to give you 100 feet of frontage. So... Either, either of the lakes, your choice, a house of your dreams, everything you've always thought, that would be the house. Or 200 granny homes in Uganda with the boss. Now just think about this, $2,200 each, uh, that's about what we're talking about, same money, that will house 600 orphans for the next 50 years. School, food, shelter, whole lot of Jesus, 600 orphans. House of your dreams, 200 granny homes, 600 orphans taken care of. Got to choose. Which are you going with? Both. No, nope, you can't have both. That's the game. Got to choose. One or the other. Yeah, wouldn't it be nice? That's what, I, that's what most of us would. Yeah, I want both. Okay, well, this will be a little easier except for Brandt. Okay, uh, imagine the coffee that you love that you need every morning, okay? Uh, you got to choose. It's either your favorite cup of your favorite every day, your choice, uh, Starbucks, roast and toast. What is it, drippy something? Drip works, okay. Uh, I'm McDonald's. Uh, shows you my refined palate. Uh, anyway, favorite coffee out every day or make your own at home, and use the $20 savings per week to help build the youth building out back. Your choice. Got to choose. Either a cup of your favorite out or make your own at home. Use the 20 bucks a week you'd save on average. Actually, DripWorks might be more like 50 but we won't go there. $20 per week that you're going to save. Uh, for. And by the way, that works out to be $1,000 over the course of a year. Uh, for the youth center, okay? So hopefully you're thinking now, there's choices to be made with our worldly riches, okay? Now let's dig into the parable of the shrewd manager. Uh, Jesus, it says, verse 1, told this story, uh, and he's speaking to 
his disciples. Jesus told his disciples. So he tells the 12 disciples this parable. But he's telling, we're his disciples today, do you understand? So disciples then and his disciples in his church at Walloon. What's interesting is there really is no hidden meaning here. This parable is pretty straightforward. Um, no hidden meanings, and yet it's maybe the most controversial of the parables, and, and you'll understand as we dig in. Verse 1, Jesus told his disciples, there was this rich man whose manager was accused of wasting his possessions, so he called him in and asked him, what is it I hear about you? Give me account, an account of your management, because you're not going to be my manager any longer. Likely setting is a large farm. The owner is talking to the manager, the one that he has hired to take care of his farm. Okay? Now he gets called into the office and he said, I've got bad news. I don't like what I've been hearing about you. Clean out your desk, turn in your keys, assemble the records. You're not a good manager. I don't like what I'm seeing. What does he tell him? You're fired. You're fired. You cannot be my manager any longer. Verse 3, interesting. Manager says, I'm too old to dig. <laughs> I'm not good with manual labor any longer, and I'm too proud to beg, so I better think fast. I better come up with something quick because I'm losing my job. So the manager quickly comes up with his solution. Verse 4 here we go. I know what I'll do so that when I lose my job here, people will welcome me into their houses. So he called in each one of his master's debtors. He asked the first debtor, how much do you owe the master? Uh, 900 gallons of olive oil, he replied. The manager told him, take your bill, sit down quickly, mark it down to 450. Then he asked the second, and how much do you owe? A thousand bushels of wheat, he replied. He told them, take your bill and make it 800. Now Jesus stops there, but the implication is he does this with lots of different people, reduces their bill. Almost all the commentators agree, and I will quote one of them. This is New Testament scholar N.T. Wright. What the manager is reducing from the bill is the interest. Think with me. He's reducing the interest that he's been charging his customers. And if he eliminated the interest, it would greatly reduce the bill. And that would make very happy debtors because their debt was greatly reduced. Now understand that according to the Old Testament law, it was illegal for Jews to charge fellow Jews interest. You tracking? Uh, Exodus 22.25, Leviticus 25.36, Deuteronomy 23.19. But these guys were pretty crafty. So instead of charging interest, listen, they would hide the interest by increasing the amount that was owed. Does that make sense? So they just increased the amount that's owed. So the amount that was owed included the interest. They didn't just separate them. Several commentators suggested this. Think this way. The hidden interest that he reduces was actually going to be his commission. 
Uh, That was going to be his cut. The manager charged extra, and whatever extra he could get from the debtors was his money to be had. So he was removing the interest that he would have earned if he would have continued being manager, and now he's attempting to lower the payment. Why? Because I want these guys to really like me. I want to earn goodwill. Because the social custom of this day, this is important, the social custom of this day, if somebody does something nice for you, you're obligated to do something nice back for them. And he was counting on it. Okay? I'm going to call the customers in. I'm going to be really nice and reduce their debt. And now they'll be obligated to me. And they'll have to do something really nice back. This friend, this uh, fired manager, if you will, uh, is one smooth operator. He saw the reality of his situation. Uh-oh, I'm losing my job. I better take swift action. And he did just that. He's going to end up on the streets, no job, no resources. What am I going to do? He uses his wit, his energy, his intelligence to ensure his well-being on planet Earth. That's what's going on here. So how on earth does this story apply to the 12 disciples? I'm sure they're thinking that. Okay, nice story. Uh, how does that apply to us? And, and now we're thinking 2016, northern Michigan, uh, how does this apply to us? And Jesus knows that. He continues, verse 8. The master commended, commended, uh, approved, uh, said good, good things about the dishonest manager. And that's the problem most people have with this parable. But the master is not Jesus. The parables talking about the owner, but it was the owner who commended his dishonest manager. Why? Because he acted how? Shrewdly. Uh, For the people of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own kind than are the people of the light. I tell you, use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourselves so that when it's gone, you'll be welcomed into eternal dwellings. Let me explain. Verses 8 and 9. People of the world would be unbelievers. People of the world would be people who say to the cross, "Uh, no thanks, I think I'll live life on my own. So people of the world are people who don't know Jesus, aren't following Christ, aren't interested in God's word. Okay? People of the world, look at verse 8, Jesus is saying, are better at using their wit, their energy, their intelligence to accomplish their goals in general than people of the light are. Uh, Unbelievers tend to be more strategic and focused on their earthly treasure than followers of Jesus are. They're better at using their money wisely to accomplish what they want to accomplish than we are at accomplishing what we should be accomplishing. Jesus is saying, okay, the sons of light, who are the sons of light? Point, point, who are the sons of light? If you're a follower of Jesus, you're, a, you're one of the sons or daughters of light. 
Uh, those of us who know Jesus, we stand right now on the very edge of eternity. Okay, picture it. We're right on the edge. Jesus, the book of Revelation, could come back at any moment. And what Jesus is saying is, you need to take advantage of the wealth, of the worldly riches that I've given you. Take advantage of that and use your energy, your foresight, your ingenuity to make an eternal difference in this world with your worldly wealth. Does that make sense? The people of this world, the people who are they do this very well. But he's saying followers of Jesus in general, verse 9, those of you who know me, if you would pay as much attention to your worldly wealth and use it to make an eternal difference, you could make an eternal difference. But I want you not just to blow your worldly wealth, I want you to invest it and use it wisely. Verse 9 is what he's saying. Be smart. Be, be as shrewd and ingenious with your worldly wealth is as the world is. But he's saying in general, we're, we're, not, we're not that way. Instead, followers of Jesus, what are we focused on? Um, I, I'm all about what's going on in politics. Paying, I, I, I got to watch the next speech. I, I got to watch who's winning in the polls. We're focused on our hobbies, our, our homes, our, our uh, retirement accounts. I'm focused on my 6014 bracket that's been busted up recently. Uh, I'm interested in how many likes I got on my most recent post. And if I didn't get enough likes, I'm pouting and I'm not happy. Uh, followers of Jesus, we tend to focus on a whole bunch of things. But look at verse 9. Here's the lesson. I want you to leverage your wealth and your possessions. Look what verse 9 says, to make eternal friends in eternal dwellings. Make eternal friends in eternal dwellings. What does that mean? I want you to penetrate this dark world, use your worldly wealth to make an eternal difference in this dark and lost world. That's what he's saying. It's pretty strong. Be smart. The people of this world, they're really smart with their money. My people, not so much. And I want my people to be just as wise and just as strategic as the people who, who don't follow me. Now, he's not done yet. He's got more to say. Verse 10, here we go. Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with very much. He's talking about money here. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with very much. We're not going to stop there because 10 to 12 is one thought. So if you've not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? If you've not been trustworthy with someone else's property, who will give you property of your own? You ready? This is tough. Um, how we use our money is a good indicator of our spiritual maturity. Don and Martha, you like that? Yeah, how we use our money is a good indicator of our spiritual maturity. If we use our checkbooks, our Visa card, our ATM card, our debit card poorly, what he's saying is then you really can't be trusted with spiritual riches because everything that we call our stuff, track with me, where does our stuff come from? 
Where ultimately did all the stuff, worldly riches that you've received, where did it come from? Answer. It comes from the hand of God Almighty. James 1.17 makes it clear. Every good thing you've ever received or I've received, it came from the Lord. And some of you are thinking, but uh, I, I studied really hard in school and I got all A's. And I work 60 hours a week. And, I, and, and, I, and I've earned every penny I've got. Okay, let me ask you a few questions. Who gave you the energy? Who gave you the brain that you have to work smart? Who gave you your job? Who enabled you to work hard? I'm just telling you, if you're a follower of Jesus, the answer is, oh yeah, that, that really, all that energy, the brain I have, the, the ability I had, the job I have, Lord, you gave me that. So track, we're all managers of the stuff that Jesus has given us. Make sense? Every one of us here, any good thing you have in your hand, all of your worldly riches, Jesus is the ultimate owner. See, we get it all messed up. No, that's my, no, it, that's stuff that Jesus allows us to manage on his behalf. So he's the owner, and he gives it to us. And Jesus is saying, I want you to use the stuff I give you wisely. Use it strategically. And that's a great indicator of spiritual maturity, of whether you're really wise and can be trusted with more or not. One more key thought from Jesus, verse 13. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot, repeat, you cannot, I know you probably think you're the exception, but Jesus says you and I cannot, impossible to serve what? Both and, okay, the answer is verse 13, okay, so you can track along. Fill in the blank here. You cannot serve both and... Okay, uh, we're going to try it this way. We'll go God and money this time. Maybe we'll get a little better reaction because I want you to get it, okay? You and I cannot serve both and impossible. Uh, cannot serve two masters. Allegiance will either lean towards my little kingdom... Jeff's little temporary kingdom and my little kingdom is built of wood, hay, and straw or stubble. Uh, so I'm either going to focus on my little kingdom uh, that's just temporary, going to get burned up, or I'm going to focus on Jesus's, what kind of a kingdom is it? Eternal, lasting, and that's gold, silver, precious stones. That's, that's the kind of kingdom where you make an eternal difference. He said, you're going to choose one or the other, uh, and you're thinking, well, I want to do both, and the answer is no, you can't. You're either going one direction or the other. Let me give you a modern-day example. Here's what Jesus is talking about. The Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation is the largest private, nonprofit foundation in the world. Uh, currently in excess of $45 billion in growing. Uh, Warren Buffett, probably know that name, he's worth $66 billion. 
He's been given $2 billion to that foundation for the last several years. Uh, he intends to give away 99% of his wealth to good causes, to make a difference in this world. So that's the largest foundation. I went on their website. We want to eliminate worldwide polio, malaria, measles. We want to eliminate tuberculosis, HIV. We want to eradicate hunger. We want every family, every human being to have clean water, every person on earth. Website says we want to use our wealth to make a difference in the world. We want to use our wealth to make a difference in the world. Now, I am not going to throw rocks at that. that. That's like, wow. That's thinking strategically. That's thinking wisely. That's, that's using God-given, and even God gives them any good stuff that they have. That's using their God-given resources for the good of the world. Here's the problem. Are you ready? It just doesn't go far enough. Okay? Okay? And I think Jesus is saying, uh, where are the Jesus-loving Bill and Melinda Gateses today? Where are the followers of Christ who are thinking like Warren Buffett? I want to make a difference in this world. Because here's where it doesn't go far enough. Track with me. If you feed every poor person on earth, if you take away every awful disease on the planet... If you give everybody clean water, if you teach them how to read, even if you give them all a nice little computer and they don't hear or know about Jesus and the cross, it's just temporary help. Are you tracking? It's a good goal. It just doesn't go far enough because it's just temporary. And then once they die, it's bad. Okay? Jesus is calling us to think bigger than ourselves. Jesus is telling us, I want you to just be thinking bigger than just your own little tiny world. I want you to think wisely and strategically. I, I want you to begin thinking about using your worldly wealth to make a difference for all of eternity. Does that make sense? I, I want you to begin thinking about how can I use the $2 million on average that you're going to allow to flow into my hands. Some of you more, some of you less, but on average, $2 million every household in the United States will have over the course of your working career. How are you going to use that? How are you going to take that and use it strategically to advance the kingdom of Jesus Christ and His church? See, we don't usually think that way. Well, well, you know, I got money and I got bills to pay, and, you know, and, and, and I, and I want to go out to eat here and I want to buy this kind of car and we need to do this with the house. And, and we don't think about how can I use what Jesus has given me to make an eternal difference in this world. And he's saying, I want you to start thinking this way. I want you to start paying attention. I want my, my followers, followers of King Jesus, invest your treasure in the kingdom that pays eternal dividends. And again, I'll say it. You know, the Warren Buffetts, the Bill and Melinda Gates, they're thinking big. 
They're thinking strategically. They're just not going far enough. And if you're a follower of Jesus, you can think big and you can think strategically and it can go and make an eternal difference and not just a temporary difference. So, final thought. You ready? How we invest our worldly wealth reveals who our real master is. I'm going to say that again. How you and I invest our worldly wealth, that's the true indicator who our real master is. So if you want to know who's your master, you know, there's a lot of things uh, you could perhaps use to gauge it. But Jesus says, I want you to look and see, where's your money flowing? Where's your passion in giving? When it comes to using your checkbook or using your credit card, where are you focused? Where is that spending headed? Is it to build my little temporary Jeff little kingdom? <laughs> little, little K kingdom, you know? And wood, hay, stubble, little kingdom, and, and someday it's going to end and it just will be burned up? Or are you using your worldly wealth to advance the kingdom of King Jesus? And that kingdom is eternal. And that pays eternal dividends. Which direction? Bow your heads. Shut your eyes. And I'd really like you just to quietly ask, Lord, um, which kingdom am I serving today? And I know you want to say, because I want to say it too, well, well, I'm... I'm serving both, but Jesus just said that's not possible. It, it's, it's either focused on Jesus and his kingdom, and it's not to say you got to eat, you got to live, you, it, it's fine to have some transportation, but in general, are you focused on the kingdom of Christ and advancing an eternal cause? Or are you using your worldly wealth to build your own little kingdom. Looking after me, myself, and I mostly. Speak, Lord. We're listening. Would you make yourself clear even right now? Right now, today, we're living in the most prosperous time in history. And we've been blessed to live in one of the most prosperous countries in the most prosperous time in all of history. Let that soak in. So this is huge for us. Most of the folks that Jesus was talking to, they were peasants. They were just simple shopkeepers, barely barely struggling to survive. This is one of those parables aimed at us. Right today, where we're at. 
question is, uh, will you begin using your God-given resources to advance the cause of Christ? That's, that's really what he's asking. Enough of the little K, my own little kingdom, my own little world, uh, enough of that wood, hay, and stubble thinking, priority. It's pretty obvious, Lord, what you're calling us to do, and I want to start using whatever worldly wealth you bring into my, la- my life, I want to use it to make a difference for eternity. That's really the hard question that we all have to struggle with right now. And I get it. Sometimes we can make that choice and we go for a time and then we get off track and we're back building our own little kingdom and, and then we got to get back on the right road and, and head again. But anyone say, you know, Lord, I, I realize right today as I think about my resources, the money, if I think about where my passion and my thinking is headed, um, I've been headed down wrong road when it comes to my resources. And by your grace, I need to get back on the make eternal difference with my resources road. With you, what you've called us to, what, what this parable is very clear about. So I just need to ask, anybody say, Lord, you're talking to me, and, and I got on the wrong road, and maybe you've been there for a long time, maybe you just took a little shortcut and been on it shortly, but you need to get back on the, I want to use my resource, I want to be wise, strategic, in using what you've given me as a good manager to make an eternal difference in this world. Anybody say, that's me? My hand's up there right now with you. Anybody else? Yeah. Are there others? Lord, you're talking to me. This is huge. It's so easy to get sucked in to build your own little kingdom. Look out for you, and you've got to have the newest little toy. Otherwise, you won't be happy. Instead of wise, strategic, um, make good choices for the advancement of King Jesus and his kingdom and his church. Anybody else? Anybody in the balcony? See my hand, Lord. Mm-hmm. Um, could it be that you're so far deep in your kingdom hole? What I mean by that is you're so deep in debt that you owe your creditors everything. Some of you might just say, you know, I'd like to be on that generous, make a difference for uh, eternity with my resources, but I, there's just no way. I, I, every, every amount that comes in is already spent to my creditors. Okay, are you ready? My challenge to you is to get on the next class of Financial Peace University. Don and Martha are here, and we can get you all lined up, and, and maybe your first step is to climb out of the hole so you can start living as Jesus has instructed it here in Luke chapter 16. So if you're in that deep hole financially and you're saying, but boy, I'd like to be out, I'd like to get on that, that road that wisely, strategically using my money to it, but, but I can't. Well, we have a way to help you get out of the hole. And, it, and it's called learning how to live financially wise 
and, and we'll actually help you go to that class. Maybe you can't even afford to go to the class. Well, well then we'll help you. Okay? So here's my question. Is there anybody and you're saying, I'd love to do that, but man, am I in a, in a, in a, a deep hole when it comes to my finances. But I'm willing to learn. I'm willing to learn how to climb out of the hole, and, and I'm going to commit to being a part of the next class. Anybody say, humbly, that's just me, and by God's grace, I need to get out of the hole, and I'm willing to get into that next FPU class. Is there anybody? I suspect there's some here. The question is, are you willing? <laughs> okay. As Pastor Bob makes his way up front now, I want to pray for you, because there were lots of hands up, and I just want to pray for you. Lord, I, I pray for my friends who you are talking with this morning, and you're talking to me too. Help us, Lord, to use the worldly wealth you've loaned to us to manage for a short time to make an eternal difference in this dark and lost world. Forgive us, uh, Lord, for building our own little temporary kingdoms. And help us to resist the message of this world that just yells constantly that we just have to have this next new little thing or we're just not going to be happy or content. Lord, your book tells us that true contentment and real joy is only found in and through your Son, Jesus Christ. And we believe that today. We, we believe that living strong for him and aligning our lives up with your word is where real joy and real contentment is all about. So Lord, please raise up some Jesus-loving folks. Raise up the next Bill and Melinda Gates and Warren Buffetts who love your son Jesus. Lord, help us to think bigger than ourselves. Enable us to make a difference in this world, not just for the temporary Lord, help us to think about all eternity because the stakes are huge. Use us. We ask these things in the name of your Son, Jesus. Amen.